Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Scientology Fair Game. Hi, Mikey. Hi, Lily. Happy <laughs> nearly birthday today. Thank you, my love. But this who knows when this will air. Oh, dear. I just screwed up. No, it's okay. But well, we can oh, talk okay. about... There was a big monumental birthday um, <laughs> this year and wasn't able to celebrate. Right. And it was a huge birthday for my daughter at the same time. Right. Because my birthday's on June 15th and Sophia's, my daughter, is on the 16th, for those who don't know. And so I turned a big number. And uh, <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to say I 35. turned... 35. No, no. I turned 65, Mike. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. You look so young. Right? You don't look a day over 64. Thank you. So it was a huge <laughs> birthday. <laughs> huge birthday. And hello, we ha- we do have a guest if you want oh, to yes. Yes, introduce yes. Bruce. Go ahead. Well, it's the same guest as last week because yes, this because is this part is a- two of our yes. deep dive into the bridge. So welcome, Bruce Hines, my old buddy. Thanks for being with us again. Hi, Bruce. Hi, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And so just to get back to me for a second, because it's, yes. Bru- it's not all about Bruce and Scientology. So <laughs> this year, Mindy Weiss, who is, she right. has done every birthday of Sophia's. Okay. She's done my sister's first wedding. She will do her second. She's done every, she did my wedding, all my birthdays. And she did, I, when I tell you, Mike, it's, I'm going to post pictures. And by the time people hear this, I might've posted it already. Magical. I just didn't want it to end. I danced the whole night. I didn't give a shit. Everybody was still eating. The DJ started playing my songs, which is nineties R and B. Everybody all about it. Okay. (laughs) I was on the dance floor, went by myself, kicked my shoes off. Didn't give a shit. I was the only one dancing for about five minutes, but I didn't care. Had the best time. Blisters. It, it, you was, you are a dancing machine, Leah. I know. I there nodded, is no question about that. My weave got knotted up into like a uh, some kind of nest underneath my real hair. <laughs> I didn't give a shit. Had the best time. Had the best okay, time. well, that's great. I'm so happy to hear that. And and Sophia, did she have a nice time? Okay, so Sophia came down with, you know, a bunch of her friends. They tried to act too cool to dance, but then they got up. And now, Mike, let me just tell you, the party ended. The DJ was done at like midnight because I guess there's laws surrounding it. But, you know, I turned on my own music. Right. And said, hey, who brought the, anybody bring a bathing suit? Ironically, some of them did. Someone in their underwear jumped in the pool. And I wow. think it was about four in the morning that somebody, uh, actually it was Jay, Jordan, you know, Jay. Right. Jay went out, got about 50 Big Macs, fries, <laughs> large fries, by the way, because if you're a friend of mine, don't bring me a small fry. And I think we got out of the hot tub and pool at about 530 in the morning. Wow, that's a great that's a great weekend. And then Sophia's friends, who all slept over, heard the music. And they were like, "Hey, what's going on?" They got out of bed and came down. It was like the best, 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 best ever. Oh, that's amazing! And then 
you know, Disney's her thing, right? Disney. For the first time, Mikey, our daughter, <laughs> your your niece, yeah, went to Disney by herself. Oh, really? For the first time in her life, because she also goes there every year for her birthday. Right. Like we have a birthday party, and then we go to Disney. Right. Usually, I might have to whore myself for a picture to get you know some treatments. This year, nope, Sophia don't care. She went by herself with nine of her friends. And what's the first thing that I did when she drove away? Cried. <laughs> Cried. Oh, Lily. Life is ever changing. And it's it's yeah. sad. It's sad and it's happy, but it's just when you're when your kids grow up, it's sad. It's just yeah. and I'm blessed yeah. to have a daughter, and I should say this, I'm blessed to have a daughter that is growing old. And I'm blessed to be growing old because not everybody's blessed, right? True. That's to, very true. To, to see your kids grow up. And I'm very lucky to, to still be here. Breathing you're, on this al- earth. you're also incredibly lucky to have a daughter who idolizes you. I know, I know what you say in Does response she? to that, but I know for a fact <laughs> your daughter idolizes you she, she she if if push came to shove she would walk across hot coals and broken glass for you leah and thank you and same it's a kind of love that's just crazy yeah you don't know love until you have a kid i really that's exactly right yeah it's exactly right but not when it comes to scientology folks <laughs> so let's get to the business so this is part two of the bridge the 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 bridge just to remind everybody is the preset pre-priced out steps that all Scientologists are forced to take to gain the top of the bridge to achieve reaching the top of the bridge, which was originally OTAs, but being that Scientology is losing members rapidly, they have to invent new levels to keep the carrot going. Um, and so let's. We went through the bottom of the bridge and stay in in our first part of this, right. and this is the second part, which is where shit gets serious. Right. Yeah. yeah. This this is with we're sort of breaking this down from the introductory services, and now we're going to sort of take a look at what happens now that you get on the real bridge, because yeah. as we mentioned last week, those introductory services are sort of freebies. Very cheap, not really much to them. Uh, and, and very purposeful. Up. And now we're getting to the, okay, you now must take the steps in order to get to the state of clear. And the state of clear is now where it's sort of halfway up this bridge. Because after the state of clear, there's a whole lot more stuff that comes. Um, would, you even say that, the, would you say that it's halfway, Mike, at this point? Um, no, not time-wise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but just, if you just look at that chart, the, the Bridge to Total Freedom chart, yeah. which I will have a picture of that on the on the blog and on the, the website, but you'll see it's sort of halfway up the, the right-hand side of the, what's called the processing side of the bridge. Okay. So it's... And just to explain to everybody at home again who Bruce is, Bruce was, um, I want to try to explain this. 
how do you explain what a CS is? But like that would be analogous to somebody in the free world. Like it's it's more than just somebody who oversees. When you're a case supervisor in Scientology, you are God. You are literally in what they call the ivory tower, locked away. No one's allowed to come in your office. Like you are the keeper of the technology. You're the you're the guy or a woman who safeguards the person's career in Scientology, making sure that they check and triple check that you're doing it per the sacred writings of L. Ron Hubbard. And this is this was Bruce's job, who was our guest again today. So Bruce was the overseer. Like he knows not only the secrets of the parishioner, he knows the secrets of the person counseling them. And you're correcting the person counseling them per L. Ron Hubbard's um, instructions, correct? Is that a good way to describe what a CS is, Bruce? Yeah, I think it's really well said. A man of few words, <laughs> which could be trying whilst doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we shall proceed. <laughs> I, I just want to add to that that Bruce was not just a CS. He mm-hmm. was a CS. He was in the office of the Senior CS International. So which is, what? So like Mike, who would like? Is this like if you had to um, put him in a category of like a real church? <laughs> what would he be? Um, like uh, you know, the the senior most cardinal. In the Vatican, that oversees who's, who's overseeing yes. the orthodoxy of the Catholic Church. And I would, I hate to put Scientology in the same sentence as a real religion, but I just want you guys to understand what a CS is, and not to mention who Bruce is and was in Scientology, which was a senior, most senior type motherfucker. Yeah, inside out. Yeah, good. big shot. Yeah, yeah. big shot. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Go. All right, so what are we going to start with? Clear. Well, well, I Bruce had mentioned last week, I think that we should talk a bit about the E-meter. And sure, I would love to ha- hear his take on this, because I've talked I about would, it a bit. I would love Bruce to speak. <clears throat> because the E-meter is an integral part now of all auditing that takes place past your introductory services. So now you're getting introduced to sitting on the Scientology e-meter holding two soup cans. Okay, and and Bruce, just so that I don't have to interrupt you 50,000 times, try not to speak Scientologies. I'll do my best. <laughs> Even though we're talking about Scientology. Yeah. yeah, you know, some of the concepts um, are hard to put in regular English, but I'll I do know. my best. Okay, thank you, sweetheart. So, um, e-meter. Yeah. It's a... It's actually a very simple device. In the world of electronics, it's pretty elementary. Okay. And in fact, they were used way back, um, sort of early 1900s, by uh, Carl Jung. And uh, they basically did the same thing that the current e-meter does. Uh, this is a little fancier, and the electronics is more modern. Um, 
interestingly, I've had some exchanges with a guy named Bruce Plotz. He is an, uh, an electronics genius. And he was largely responsible for designing e-meters at the, the gold base. And this thing, they had this thing called a read simulator where you push a button and it would make these different e-meter uh, e reactions. Um, and he has some really interesting things to say about the e-meter. You could do a whole podcast just with Bruce if he uh, were willing to. I know he's been in communication with Chris Shelton for example. So it's, you know, he's, he's out of the church now. And oh, he well, posts well, on my, he posts comments on my blog regularly. He's, oh, one, he? he's, yeah. he's, he's one of okay. the smartest people I've ever met. It's unbelievable. Anyway, what this thing does, this e-meter electronics meter is it just measures the resistance, the electrical resistance. It's a, you know, it's a, electrical term between the two cans that you're holding in your hands. And this largely is resistance in between some layers of the skin somewhere. Um, I don't want to get too technical, but Bruce talks about how in the early days, um, one of the early e-meter guys actually put needles into his arm so that the electrical contact was inside the body. And inside the body, it's sort of like seawater. It has very, very little resistance. And there, you see no reeds whatsoever. Hmm. And the tone arm would be incredibly low. So somehow or another, the, this, some layers of the skin, um, they change when you get asked questions. Um, so it, I mean, that's what the machine is basically the modern a lie detector. It has more than an e-meter, but it also has an e-meter. You know, it has something that measures your heart rate and your respiration and your blood pressure and stuff, but it also has something that measures this skin resistance, just like an e-meter does. Um, Hubbard claimed like, oh no, this is not, uh, a lie detector, but it operates on exactly the same principle. Well, in another place, he did claim it was a lie detector. Yeah. Well, I he... mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in, in fact, very emphatically stated that this was, uh, this is how you can tell whether someone is being honest or not. The only way to tell is with an e-meter, but yes, you're right. And then, then on the other hand, he says, no, it's not a lie detector because he didn't like the sound of that. But okay, so let let so let me uh for for me the e meter and you guys can look this up. Just look up Scientology e meter and you'll get an image and you'll be like, what the fuck is that? You'll understand what we're talking about. But the e meter is the most fundamental concept that you're taught in Scientology. That this is special to Scientology. You pick up the cans and what's explained to you is that a tiny current flows from the meter through your body and it picks up <clears throat> mass thoughts that it picks up thoughts and it goes through and any resistance will be picked up. So as you think a thought, it's supposed to register on the meter. The problem with this is you are shown the meter. Now the meter doesn't face you, the 
parishioner, the, the person being counseled in Scientology as you're getting counseled in Scientology, right? The yeah. meter is facing the person working the e-meter. And uh, so you don't know what's going on. And so you just know that they're in charge. They're seeing some shit on the meter and they'll ask you a question and you'll say no. And they'll say, well, it read on the meter. So find an answer. And uh, you are taught, Nell Ron Hubbard says, believe the meter, don't believe the person in front of you. The meter is everything in Scientology. When you uh, are learning to work the e-meter, and most all Scientologists are required to learn the other side of the meter, which is what the training side of the bridge is for, um, you see that it does register. And that has been... One question that people ask me, guys, when people leave Scientology, how does the e-meter read, though? Why does the e-meter read? Like, that's the, the science that they need debunked to really depart from thinking as a Scientologist. Like, why did the meter read? I saw the meter read. So what was the meter reading on? Do you have a real answer, or do we want to continue to promote Scientology's bullshit? I don't really have a real answer. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's pretty well known that um, emotions and uh, thoughts, uh, sudden uh, ideas that might come into somebody's mind, they affect the whole body. Um, you know, right. there's the endocrine yes. system, there's a pair the parasympathetic exactly. nervous system. Everything. Yeah, yeah, but just like Scientology, Scientology says that has nothing to do with it. That it's right. all, you know, that we, and by the way. It's I'm gonna, all thought. Yeah, all thought, having nothing to do with the body. People right. say, well, you can move the cans. Well, we're trained to learn when somebody's moving the cans. So we know that right. there's, you know, certain phenomena that you have to look for on the meter to know what is, a sh you know, you could tell when somebody moves. You actually can tell. When somebody's moving on the meter because it doesn't, it's not anyway. But exactly right. And my own therapist, I had to, I was like, I need the data. And she said, the cells remember, right? You, your, your whole, the skin is the largest organ on your body. You're holding these cans. And you're right, Bruce. It's about, there's an endocrine system. Your thoughts do change the reaction in the body. It does change it. But Scientologists are running around like we were, Mike and Bruce, thinking it was just based on thought. Right. And and there is this these enormous significances placed on various things that happen mm -hmm. or you see on this meter by Hubbard. Yeah. So if there is a certain thing that happens on the e-meter, that means you have uh, evil purpose in restimulation, meaning yes. you're thinking awful, evil thoughts, yeah. or you have something that you're not willing to disclose or reveal, some transgression that you're not willing to disclose or reveal, and numerous other things. I mean, there there is a whole huge amount of information about what supposedly happens with the e-meter and what it all means. Yes. Now, listen, do you, go ahead. I was going to read you what my therapist had sent me yeah, whatever, sure. Go ahead. how many years ago that I was like, I need the actual data. Right. You want to hear some of it? Sure. And maybe there's one Scientologist out there that we'll save today. <laughs> <laughs> 
the science is pretty precise and involved, i.e. the science that it sounds like with Scientology and the E-meter capitalizes on and, di- and distorts for the purposes of Scientology. But the basic scenario is this. It sounds like a basic polygraph test that gets used differently by the person, person administering it and with outcomes that, that get interpreted in non-scientific ways. By the way, the polygraph, a.k.a. lie detector tests, do measure real physiological phenomena, but does not accurately and consistently identify lies. So both Scientology, the, the Scientology interpretation and a lie determination are essentially garbage. They both use real science of the body to quote-unquote prove something that isn't actually proven by the information gathered by the machine. A polygraph machine can measure one's heart rate, breathing, and um, uh, which is basically then uh, and a sweat response, which when we get emotionally aroused in any way, not necessarily guilty or something bad, as this can happen in response to feeling happy as well. As I recall from our conversations, that sound like sounds like the emitter only measured skin, not heart rate, blood pressure, or a respiration, which is even more limited and skewed in terms of data collected by the machine, meaning the results of this are very basic polygraph type machine, which would be less meaningful. Um, in any case, the activation that gets measured from the uh, from the nervous system, which is basically a system that the body operates mostly unconsciously, regulates heart rate, respiratory rate, digestive, it's strongly connected to the survival system limbic system. So intense emotional states of any sort, again, not not only bad ones, uh, can impact it. Beyond this, there's called cellular memory or body memory, which refers to the way in which our actual cells, not our brain cells, are transformed by experience and hold information associated with our actual lived experience. And she goes on, Right. I mean, she goes through the like with descendants and DNA. Like, there's there's an, a, a a huge. I'm going to send this to you. But remember the book that I was talking to you got you about, Mike, the Peter Levine book, Waking the Tiger. Yes. Healing the trauma. This yep. is the cellular body information and isn't interpreted as anything but that, right? And so, um, she's suggesting that it's very problematic that this e meter is being used in this way. It's very dangerous. Well, of course it is because yeah. you convince people and and we have heard this many times Leah and I brought it up many times. Yeah. Scientologists will say that you don't need to believe anything. What does the meter say? Right. Believe you don't need meter. to believe the OT3 story. Does it read on the meter? Yeah. And the 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 terrible thing about this is one of the the things that people are convinced about in Scientology is that the e-meter is infallible. Right. And it's funny because I was thinking about this when I was considering we were going to talk about this, and I was going, well, the e-meter is considered to be infallible, but as Bruce said last week, in Scientology, you can find something that L. Ron Hubbard has said that is completely contradictory, so you can pick and choose which one you want. Sure. And he also said that the e-meter doesn't really read on a clear, because the e-meter is reading on the reactive mind. Right. But 
actually, that's not really true. And it also says that the e-meter doesn't read if you have what's called an ARC broken PC, which, which is someone that. that's got an upset. Right. Which is sort of like, you mean if you've got an upset, the e-meter doesn't read? Right. Uh, well, that's a little odd. Right. And But then when you get presented with any of this other information, like what you just said, what, you know, what your therapist had laid out mm -hmm. for you there or in these other books or what Bruce Plot says or whatever, mm -hmm. the Scientology response to that is, ah, that's just the man is meat, psych, think. You're just a meat body. You're not a spiritual being. So we can discount all of that right. because that is the heathen, old-fashioned way of approaching the realm of spiritual awareness yep. and the the man is mud theory people the psychiatrists the doctors and all those other evil creeps they're all convinced that everything is about the body and we know everything is about the spirit or the thetan so even though we use a body machine measuring bodily reactions we dismiss all the body theory and say it's all just spiritual Correct. then if you ask about these things right you say hey remember anytime you find inaccuracies in scientology which is daily you have to decide am i leaving because there's no way out am i leaving am i leaving everything i've ever known my whole, all my family, all of my friends. And so usually the answer that's given to you is, well, Leah, this was written in 1950. And then he later found out, you know, upper levels. Then he found Scientology. So this book is still relevant. However, things evolved and, you know, Scientology was created. Right. That's the answer yep. that's given. Yeah. Okay. So oh, when yeah. you're. So when you're clear, when you achieve the, this big monumental moment in Scientology, they give you a special bracelet, they number it, you're supposed to wear it. It's a huge thing to become a clear in Scientology. It is uh, like we went over in Dianetics, you have cured yourself of lots of illnesses, psychosomatic ills, cancer, anything and everything you could think of. Right, Mike? Yeah. And if you're still sick, they'll tell you, well, there's the OT levels that you have, and you'll find it. We can't tell you what they are now, but you'll you'll deal with that later in, in Scientology. Well, we're, if we didn't cure your cancer here, we'll cure it at OT5. Right. And and not only that, that now that you're clear, you're in the danger zone. So you have you're, to move You're in up the to danger zone, zone until yeah. you get to, to OT3. And by the way, how long does it take to get up the Scientology bridge? A lifetime. Well, like honestly, it. honestly, it's truth. The truthful answer to that is many lifetimes because most right. people do not make it to the right. top. But they can't afford to get there. Not a, not only afford it, but this is also doing two and a half hours a day minimum. A day minimum. Yeah. So when you're clear, you no longer have a reactive mind, which means you no longer have the mind that Scientology is saying that is controlling you. 
Right. Right, Mike? Is that is that a good explanation, Bruce, of what clear is? Yeah. He puts in this little caveat, though, that says you no longer have your own reactive mind. Right. And so right. One, one of the outs is, is that, well, there's still the reactive minds of all these beings that are glommed all over you. Right. Because you find out on the OT levels, which are confidential, that you are composed of um, beings, beings, spiritual beings. Your whole body is composed of spiritual beings. Correct, Bruce? Yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them. No, not, not thousands. <laughs> Your whole body. There could be a million that compose your index finger. I mean, there could be a million of them in your index finger. I blame, I blame my body thetans. They're called body thetans, everybody. For, if you want to be in the know and be like, you want to talk like you know what you're talking about, you just call them BTs, everybody. BTs and clusters. I just saved somebody... 300, 400,000 easy by giving them this data. <laughs> also, I just racked up a, a bill, didn't I, Mike? Doesn't a this call a bill from Scientology? Doesn't this call, like, because we all signed something that's basically said we're not allowed to say, tell anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was 100 grand or something. I'll wait for the letter from Marty yep. Singer, by the way, who used to be my lawyer. By the way, can I just throw in something? Marty Singer used to be my lawyer that I had on, like, that I would call. Yeah, but that's because you're not paying his bills anymore. Well, you don't have a Marty <laughs> S- I'm not Scientology. I'm not a Kardashian. I don't have people just on the payroll. But Marty Singer is the person that I use for this type of stuff. Like, if I had somebody, my my dad was threatening to send a, somebody sold a story to the Inquirer that my, this was before my father died, that said my father died and I left him penniless on the street. And then Marty called me and he goes, honey, is this true? I got to respond. I go, well, he's alive. I don't know what the fuck. That's going to be an embarrassing story for them to print <laughs> being he's still alive. Uh, All right. Okay. So, let's get back to the bridge please, itself. I want to know how much, how much here. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're at clear. We're at the part of the bridge that is clear. How much does this cost? Well, it costs you doing all of the steps that you have to do prior to getting to clear. All because right, you well, don't let's... just go, oh, I'm going to start, give me, a, give me a clear. It's you have to take the steps and you have to work your way up the bridge. And each one of those steps requires a certain number of hours of auditing. And Bruce can chime in here because there are these... There are these levels that go before you get to what's called the grades in Scientology. And the grades were Hubbard's great breakthrough at one point, which, like, everything has changed on this grade chart. I don't know how many times, but at one point, the grades were the solution to everything. You're right. We had the purification rundown. We had the TRs and objectives. We have the Scientology rundown. We have the happiness rundown. Yeah, now that one's a that's a real doozy. The happiness rundown is based on the non-religious moral code of L. Ron Hubbard called the way to happiness. And that is promoted by that's Scientology yeah, as this is a non-religious thing. Yeah. But 
actually on the Scientology grade chart, you are required to do the happiness rundown, which is auditing against each of the precepts of that booklet. That non-religious booklet is the basis for the auditing rundown that one must do before they even get to the grades called the happiness rundown, right. which is totally religious, at mm -hmm. least in the context of it's part of the Scientology bridge and Scientology mm. claims that all of that is religious activity. So that's a, that's a real oddity, but then you get to the, these things called the grades and I don't know, Bruce, how many hours are you supposed, how many hours is it estimated that you're supposed to take? I know it's changed about a dozen times, but like, just let, let's just ballpark it. How many hours to get through your grades? Oh boy. Uh, you know, like you say, it's changed so much through the years and at different times, depending what bad was going, but right. I don't know what one, one fifty to 200. Yeah. Okay. So 200 hours of auditing, maybe Leah, to get to where you now start doing what's called new era Dianetics auditing. And Dianetics used to be before the grades and then it got moved after the grades. And there's a whole bunch of stuff about the Dianetics and what is and isn't good about it and what shouldn't, shouldn't be. I want you to know, everybody, auditing is sold in Scientology as what's called intensives. And one intensive is 12 hours or 12 and a half hours? 12 and a half hours. 12 and a half hours of auditing. Now, you are, remember, it's required to do two hours minimum a day. You're supposed to finish your intensive in a week, in a week's time when you buy it. Correct, Bruce? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, you know, you can do two intensives in a week. Two intensives in a week. Two intensives in a week. Okay, now. I just want to give everybody home. I have the price list in front of me of Scientology. One intensive, $2,500. One intensive. Now, a CS like Bruce would suggest, looking at the person's folder, you would say, how many intensives would you say to somebody who was getting through grade zero? How many intensives would you say they needed to buy up front? So I would say for a Scientologist who's moving up the bridge, to get to the state of clear, uh, a minimum of $50,000 and a maximum of $200,000. It varies a lot from person to person. And this is just on the lower part of this bridge. Right. Right. If, you, if yeah. you're going, if you're going to include the entire bridge, mm -hmm. which goes from the state of clear up through the so-called OT levels, mm -hmm. operating Thetan levels, mm -hmm. it's actually much more expensive. And uh, they charge more for the auditing. And, you know, I've never, I haven't added it up. I have heard the figure of $300,000. So you add another 200000 on the, um, the earlier 100000 mm -hmm. And that's not counting everybody that you're required to buy two e-meters, sometimes more, book packages, a membership. Uh, so, and, and then on top of that, all of Scientology's front groups that you're forced to donate to. So yeah, yeah this would just yeah. be for the process. Sure, 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 sure. And so uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we're going to put these price lists, lists on the fair game podcast website, as well as Mike's 
blog so you can see this is just not us talking out of our ass and making up figures. These are predetermined price lists of si- coming from Scientology's website. Right. And in- yeah. include all the, the all the the manipulation of discounts. If you oh, buy yeah. more in advance, you get a mm-hmm. bigger discount, et cetera, et cetera. All of yeah. all of this very commercial activity that is being designated by the IRS to be non commercial. Right. <laughs> and of course, then you get to we we talk very briefly about the you know how do Scientologists afford to pay for all of this? Yeah, and you you talked about living below their means, and many yeah. do, but yeah. also many take out loans. They take out second mortgages. They are ta- they're they maxing out their credit cards. They're if they've got a. It, yeah, they have a second yeah. mortgage if they got a house. Yeah. They're maxing their credit cards. They're taking their children's college fund. They are like taking every method and means available to finance Scientology activities. It is an expensive uh, habit. Yep. Like a bad habit. Like and it a, even says a, here on the donation and registration rates from Scientology. It says, quote, a sliding scale of pricing is established, is established, which provides a discount on the total cost in cases where several intenses are bought and paid for in a single block. Such a scale is arranged whereby the percentage of discount increases in proportion to the number of intensives purchased. LRH. Yep. yep. And this is all on a person's account. In Scientology, we all had accounts. And uh, because you're forced to pay for these things in advance and you don't plan, if you don't plan on doing that, guess what? You don't get that money back. Yep. Just accruing lots of interest for Scientology. And Matt Pesh, I'm going to remind everybody, Matt Pesh in 1986 saw the accounting of money on account of unused services so money people gave and then left the number that he saw in 19 what was it 86 87 mike yeah i think i think that i'll have to look it up in one church of scientology called the flag service organization located in clearwater florida it was something like 280 million dollars yep just sitting there so irs great job Collecting that debt. Sure, they're very busy today abusing some very hardworking mother and father for the 5000 that they owe them. So, Bruce, as a CS, you are the one who would send the, the parishioner to the sales office of Scientology before they started any auditing in Scientology, right? And so how, how, much, how much does somebody have, how many intensives does somebody usually have to get to to get from let's say, uh, I don't know, where, where do you want to take it from? Okay, I would say they would have to do a Scientology drug rundown. They address drug use in the person's life, the happiness rundown, ARC straight wire, and grade zero. And those are that- the steps on the bridge that a person would have to do to get through grade zero. And that would be probably 
And see, it is imprecise because it's the CS's opinion and it depends on the person. But I would say on the average, that would be, oh, I'd say 100 hours. So how many intensives would somebody hey, be ordering? That, that so would they be eight intensives. So they would have to upfront pay for eight intensives, which is what, Mike, about 17000 20 grand. 20 grand just to start on the lower bridge of Scientology. Yep. Yep. Okay. And they're not even at grade zero yet, which by the way, folks, we're at the bottom of the bridge, bottom of the bridge. So now we get to grade zero up to clear. And how many intensives would that take that a person has to pre-buy? So from grade zero through grade four, mm -hmm. 150 to 200 hours additionally. And how much is that? So that would, let's say, 30 uh, to 40,000. Another 30 to 40,000. So we're up, we're up to about $60,000. Right. Yep. Okay. And, and so then you get to the new era Dianetics. Mm -hmm. And that would, that's a whole different animal. Okay. And I would say for most people, that could easily be another 200 hours. For some, it might be 100. Um, so if we go with 200, that would be what? Another uh, 30 40. Mm -hmm. Now, just so you know, Scientology really has, I'd say, middle class people how do these people pay for it they live below their means to pay for scientology they do not take vacations they do not buy nice cars they do not often own homes they work to pay for scientology is that correct mike because i don't want because people have said this to us before where people are like oh well yeah i mean this is for rich people yeah well you know, it depends on your definition of rich because there are a lot of people that are not rich by certain definitions, but like you say, live way below their means mm -hmm. in order to fund their participation in Scientology. Yeah. But there is a lot of people that cannot afford that at all, right. that are not even close to being able to live below their means and finance Scientology because... Still, that is a big chunk of change that you have to be coughing up. You know, mm -hmm. 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand. This is like, this is like real money. This mm -hmm. is not, uh, oh, well, I'm going to go spend a couple of hundred bucks on something. This is real, real money that people have to outlay. And it's not like you can do it on a layaway plan mm -hmm. or take out a, a, you know, well, I'll pay you back over 17 years. No, this is all money you have to give up front. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to even begin services in Scientology unless you are fully paid in advance yes. for anything and anything. everything. Yeah. So once again, debunking, debunking the usual, well, it's like any church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like mm -hmm. any church. But the, the, what's so incredible about this is 
you and you have alluded to it and Bruce has alluded to it is the promises that are made yeah. as to what it is that you are going to achieve because let's go through some of them. There are very specific things that oh, are yeah. described on this says, bridge that say, this is what you're going to, this is what's going to what happen. Gonna get. Let's go through some of them. You want me to read some of them to you? Mike? Yeah. 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 Where, where would you like me to start? Well, let's just start at grade zero. Great. By the end of this, which cost you about $10,000 ability to communicate freely with anyone on any subject. Now, Bruce, this might be a, horrible story for you to listen to as a CS, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So I was training, you know, because you have to do both sides of the bridge when you're a Scientologist. And I was training to be an auditor. And I was at the time auditing my assistant, Janine, right? We're doing this. Now there's a supervisor in the room when you're training, but you're actually doing the processing on the person, right? So the supervisor's over my shoulder watching me if I'm doing the meter right, if I'm writing everything she's saying down correctly. She says the cognition, which is, a real, which is the realization that people have to have with other things to finish this, this level, right? She says, you know what, Leah? I feel like I can speak freely to anybody on any subject. Now, you know, people can say, well, yeah, it's written there. Of course, people are going to say that, right? But they don't because they, they actually do believe and, and we do believe that we want to get the benefit. We want this. We want this, right? Okay. She says the, she says the realization, I write it down. It's, it's, it's followed by what's supposed to be a needle that shows me that she actually did have the realization. I write it down, but I don't, I don't say it. I don't say anything. I go, okay, I acknowledge her. And I write on the paper to my supervisor, she's a fucking liar. <laughs> she can't take a fucking note at work. She's horrible when I tell her, hey, remember you forgot to fucking make an appointment? Leave scr- crying, leaving the house. I can't take this. Blah, blah. Can't talk to her own mother because her mother was on psych drugs. And I write that. I go, not talking to her wog mother, but she should be able to, even if she's on psych drugs, right? He writes on the paper hard. Get your auditor's code in. I go, I am. I want this girl to get better. She cannot freely communicate on any subject. I'm telling you. And we're having a paper uh, fight, right? (laughs) Because we can't say this in front of the person. And I'm going, we'll just be a minute. We'll just be a minute, Janine. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're doing great, honey. You're doing great. This is just me learning to, (laughs) she's a fucking, this is a disservice to her. We shouldn't be doing this to her. She should be able to speak. I want her to continue the process because she hadn't actually finished, right? She just had the realization early on, right? And he said, believe the meter and underlined it. Call it, tell her end of session, you're done, and she's done. But no Scientologist, as evidenced by the, our hate videos, by them blocking us, by the policy of disconnection, no Scientologist can talk freely on any subject. So that was a waste of money. Great. Right. We, could, we couldn't ever get one to ever come on the aftermath. We couldn't get anybody to ever talk to us at all. At all. <laughs> Give me any C-list celebrity in Scientology. I'm not saying that they're C-list in real world. I'm saying this. Anyway, they, they prove themselves to be ballless 
Well, Little actually, assholes. they proved themselves that they don't have the ability to communicate freely with anyone on any subject. Right. Flunk. <laughs> Flunk. <laughs> Grade one. Ability to recognize the source of problems and make them vanish. Flunk. No. Well, I wish. Like, <laughs> Scientology has got so many problems, and mm -hmm. if, if all these people in Scientology are have actually achieved this, you would think that they could make them all vanish by now. Well, listen, uh, uh, per the Inchwives, uh, and if you don't know that reference, you should look up Anderson Cooper's uh, five-part series on Scientology that he did that was amazing. Yep. You, uh, and, and, and you were kicked out, Mike. Because, oh, yeah. And so you would think that Scientology- Everyone was kicked out. Well, you would think that Scientology wouldn't have the problems that it has if they could uh, could properly identify uh, the problems that they're having. Right. Okay, so that's a flunk. By the way, flunk yep. is a word that uh, Scientologists use when you don't pass something. All right, grade two. Bruce, would you like to do the honors of any of these? Sure. Grade two. Mm -hmm. Freedom. From the hostilities and sufferings of life. Well, we're still alive, so flunk again. Go ahead. My grade three. A lot of, <laughs> of hostilities and sufferings. Freedom from the upsets of the past hmm. and ability to face the future. Hmm. I don't even know what that means. Flunk again. <laughs> All right. Grade four. Like some of these ones are like sort of so they they've become very lame. They yeah. used to actually be a little different, but this one's moving out of fixed conditions in ability to into, do new, and into. Abil into ability to do new things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever well, well, that. Well, well, the well the policies have not changed. Uh, nothing has changed in Scientology, and uh, Scientologists are still doing. The th same thing. So flunk again. All right. New era Dianetics. Right. Now, let me just explain this, or maybe Bruce can. Because yeah, let Bruce do it. New era Dianetics is a, is a sort of a an odd fish here, because yeah. what about old era Dianetics? We've still got that, too. So well, go, go ahead, ahead, Bruce. Let's let's just like dissect this Dianetics. Yeah, we don't need to bit. go through old, because nobody knows Dianetics. Nobody knows. So it doesn't matter. Well, there have been at least four major versions of Dianetics since the whole thing started. And each time it was proclaimed that, oh, now we got it. This is perfect. Um, it's going to work 100% of the time. And um, boy, we, L. Ron Hubbard really nailed it here. Mm -hmm. And um, this, there was 1963, there was this whole version, obviously, in the 50s. All right, we um, don't care about that. Well, what I want to know is, what the fuck is it? So um, it's basically where you audit, um, you address, you um, are asked to look at or think about traumatic incidents in your past. Okay. And you relive them, and that's supposed to desensitize them or erase them. Yeah. And at New Era Dianetics... Um, what can happen is in the process of doing this after some 100, 150 hours, something, you reach the state of clear. And so what that means is that 
you, what they say, what that means is that you have ceased creating your own reactive mind. What does that mean? So it boils down to the fact that you had this thing that you just paid a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to get rid of, and then they tell you, well, it didn't really exist. You were just made, you were making it up. Mm-hmm. In so many simple words. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, di- <laughs> so, so, Dianetics starts on the on the idea that you have this thing that you don't know about. It's in your subconscious. Then you spend. What are we at financially at the, at this point? A hundred thousand, you think? Oh, at least. Okay. You haven't achieved any of these things that we just went through. And at this point, you spent $100,000 only to be told that you made up this reactive mind. Yep. Well, you don't actually get told that, but yes. You you have to realize that. You realize somehow, that you just somehow yeah. created and mocked up is what yes. it's called in Scientology terms. Yes. You, you imagined it in your mind and it became a reality because you imagined it. Yes. And this is the the biggest uh, trickery of Scientology or Dianetics or Hubbard's whole scheme is, just like you said, Leah, mm-hmm. before 1950, nobody even knew what a reactive mind was. And then Hubbard came along and said, oh, you've got one. Everybody's mm-hmm. got one. You all need Dianetics in order to cure it. And then... And once you've cured it, you'll have an eidetic memory. You'll be you'll you'll throw away your glasses. You'll be mm-hmm. able to walk. You won't get sick. You won't have a cold. Blah blah blah. Your IQ will go up. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. None of that happened. Oh, now I've got a new breakthrough. Now I got a new breakthrough. Now I got a new breakthrough. Oh, uh, 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 endless, endless, endless. But right. ultimately, the end accomplishment. Mm-hmm. of this bridge to the state of clear mm-hmm. is the recognition that you were creating your reactive mind that you didn't even know you had that they said that you, you had exactly right but you cuz you can't you can't re- recognize that you're creating it unless someone's told you that you got it right <laughs> so and then so, and, yeah it's, I don't want to keep I don't want to keep harping on this point Mike but does it does it does it baffle anybody's minds that like le- the grade grade 0 the one that I was talking to you about right yeah okay grade 0 which is at the bottom of the bridge yeah yet when you get to more advanced courses like a course called the PTSSP course which is all about the evil people of the world that you're not allowed to talk to if it's your own mother, your own child, why do you do things like grade zero and then told you can't be around these people, you're going to get very sick? So avoid them at all costs. Well, th- this is uh, what's called cognitive dissonance. It is absolutely the, the idea that you can put into someone's you can brainwash or control their thinking to the point where they will have two completely contradictory concepts and and make sense out of them right and make them work somehow in their own mind and we all did it and every scientologist does it yes every single day yes literally yeah you i mean it's just 
it's part of life as a Scientologist. And, that- and, and, and beyond Scientology, everybody, and beyond Scientology, you know, it, the, these years that I've been out, I mean, it's not just Scientology. It's it, when I have disagreements with people that I love, family members, I have to stop and think, do I know everything? Do I have my facts straight? Do I really know this person's intention? You know how many times I've avoided huge fights because I just stopped for a minute and thought, can two things be true at the same time? Could I be right and wrong? Could I have the situation wrong? Could the person have done something innocently, even though it hurt me? Like, you just have to stop and rethink the way you're thinking at a certain point. If you have pain in your life, if you have disagreements with people that you love, just stop and think, is my ideology getting in the way of me having richer relationships with people that I love? Do people mean me harm? Some do, some don't. But know when you just are bullshitting yourself because you have thought the way you thought for so long doesn't fucking make it right. Yep. I want to ask you this, Bruce. You as a CS were in charge of a parishioner or a staff member's um, getting better, right? So the folder would come to you or the sessions would come to you. And you honestly saw people saying, I'm better. I've achieved this, right? I mean, this is why you were in for so long, right, Bruce? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. Uh, The vast majority are in because they want to help people and they do want to make the world better. And because of all the indoctrination and the various mind control techniques, you come to believe that you actually are. Right. And the people who are being audited come to believe that they actually are doing better and getting happier and whatnot. And I used Um, to say that as an, I used to say that as like my line as a Scientologist, I was like, well, if I'm being brainwashed to believe that I'm happier, fuck it. What's so wrong with that? Yeah. But, you know, I audited somewhere around 20,000 as an auditor, 20,000 hours or something. Most of those were on OTs, like people at the upper levels, OT7, OT8. Yeah. And in my opinion, they all had the same problems, the same marital difficulties, the same relationship problems, the same illnesses, sometimes even worse, you know, lots of cancer cases, whatever. So in reality, are they better? Are they happier? No. But they, if you were to ask them, they would swear up and down that they are just like doing great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of the trick. Yeah. And so as a CS, yeah, I thought, oh yeah, good. This guy made it. He He did it. But Bruce, was there a moment when you were like, when you, when you were in, where you were like, that's what you just said to me now. Did you think this while you were in ever? Um, well, yeah, you know, before I left, I have uh, my whole interesting escape story, like we all do, but, um, have we heard it? Uh, I don't know. Well, why don't we end on that? Why don't we hear that story? I mean, I think it makes sense to hear that ultimately you left because none of this actually worked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Yeah. Well, okay. I'll start with um, 1995. I was put in the rehabilitation camp. Because um, you had fucked up. Yeah. And or so, so, I, so they I was, said, yeah, I was there in this place they called happy Valley. Mm-hmm. I was actually uh, being rehabilitated for six years. And what did you, what did you do, Bruce? Well, the main thing was, is that um, David Miscavige's speech writer was married to this woman who was uh, quite a handful. Mm-hmm. And um, I, my task I was sent down to LA and I had to like try to audit her with, you know, really no one around but me mm-hmm. and uh, did pretty good for a while, but then she got all upset. So David Miscavige, a speechwriter, got upset. So David Miscavige got upset. And so I went to the RPF. I got sent to this camp. Okay. Um, a, this is a, the prison camp of Scientology, everybody. Go ahead. Right. So I was there for six years. One of the reasons I'll just throw in here, I was yeah. there for so long is because during that time, David Miscavige got involved with what, how the e-meter should be read, and he issued all this stuff, and I was in open disagreement. I didn't think he knew he was right about certain things. Okay. So just the fact I'm dis- disagreeing with David Miscavige and what didn't bode well for me mm-hmm. graduating out of this prison camp. Oh, yeah, no. Anyway, so eventually I got sent to New York, uh, right in Manhattan, midtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And um, there were periods while I was on the camp where I just thought this is all bullshit, and I want to get out of here. The mind control works, um, you know. Or I was brought around to think like, oh, I had it all wrong, and I'm going to mm-hmm. do be a good Scientologist here. Um, in New York, I because of the experiences I had in New York, I started to question the workability of Scientology more and more. Right. Uh, one was I was present at Ground Zero right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I was on the roof of the New York organization when Ground Z- when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. Went down to Ground Zero, and I saw these non-Scientologists who were there to try to help the first responders. And they were... You mean, like, you mean really help, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really help them. Mm-hmm. They were way better than the Scientologists I was with and mm-hmm. the Scientologists I had experienced. Scientology was mainly at ground zero to get good PR. Mm-hmm. These other people were there to really help. Sure. There are individual Scientologists who were there to really help, but overall, the organization was there to get good PR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being in New York and seeing all these different ethnicities and cultures and people and energy and their selling and their, in you know, their artistic and music and, uh, so much going on and it was like whoa there's like a lot happening out there all these non-scientologists aren't just a bunch of uh you know deluded duds yeah so um so this i went back and forth on this for two years Mm -hmm. and eight years if you count the camp before that the the prison camp and then finally one day um i had to sneak out of my apartment i decided i'm done and so i had to like wait till no one was around and hope no one would see me because they send out teams of people to drag you back if they know you're you're trying to leave mm-hmm. and i had to like go up to 10th avenue and go up to port authority 10th mm-hmm. avenue is way less busy than 9th or 8th <laughs> so 
I went in the back of Port Authority and got on a bus um, carrying just what I had I could carry, which wasn't very much. And so I left. And at that point, you know, there's no resume, no work. Right. Yeah. I had no credit card. I I had about $200 cash, um, no driver's license. um, And I have to try to start a new life with that, knowing that anybody I knew in Scientology, including family members of mine, I would never be able to talk to again. Right. And just so the world knows, Bruce, what do you do now? Uh, I do uh, research at the University of Colorado in physics. Yeah, that's a it, that's a that's a sort of a weak explanation of your your accomplishments. But well, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell him, Mike? <laughs> because I I don't want to get it inaccurate, but it, I mean. Bruce is like a professor level, what do you, what do you call it? Nuclear physicist researcher? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I really get into it, it's really um, complex, but yes, I'm uh, at the University of Colorado. I'm part of a larger collaboration that involves many of the national laboratories and universities. And we're trying to uh, investigate it's the subject called cosmology or the, the universe and what makes up this stuff called dark matter and so i've been involved in this experiment for about 15 years now and i'm the uh, electronics coordinator for the entire thing uh, you done good bruce <laughs> <laughs> we're talking to a rocket scientist here for you're real done, you're done good <laughs> You done good. Well, the guy we, that the guy that escaped with no, yes, no nothing, and and uh, this is. I just wanted to mention that because this is something that we see a lot of the people who have escaped and have made a uh, become very successful in their yeah. chosen pursuit of whatever they pursue in in after having escaped the sea org and i think it's it's a a testament to the to the individuals i also think it's worth mentioning repeatedly because it is the exact opposite of what you are told when you're in the sea org that if you leave the sea org you're gonna die of cancer and flipping burgers in McDonald's. That's like that's like Miscavige's favorite line. You're gonna and be by the flipping way, burgers in McDonald's. And by the way, like that's a bad thing. Exactly. Like that's a fucking bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. But no, that's what I mean. Abusing people, taking advantage of people, stealing their lives. That's a fucking bad thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to to throw that in at the end because yes. Bruce is actually an, an incredibly accomplished, world-renowned researcher into things that I can't even describe. Well, amazing, great job, and success is not only defined by your education uh, and where you are financially, it's also defined by you. What is a successful and meaningful life to you? is very different from person to person and it should be right because some people do not value money or that you know things uh, you know things right some people right. value just time spent doing the things that they love painting or dancing or it doesn't matter like spending time with your family that 
that you're a success if you're doing things that that you love and fulfill your soul. That's what success is. Yep. Anyway, thank you guys for listening once again. Bruce, thank you for joining us again. And we have more to do. Um, so you can... Uh, anyway, thank you. You can see all this on, on the website, like we said. And thank you again. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 bye.